Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Facebook Live Lessons from the Front. It's five o'clock somewhere, especially here in, uh, in the Dallas area. I am uh, Todd Boating. I'm your host of Lessons from the Front. And I have got some unbelievably fun guys. Uh, well, I don't know if fun is the right way to put it, but I got some really good guys here who have been a big part of Carry the Load for a long time. And we're talking about 10, 10 years. So first up, Charles Meacham. He, uh, he has many talents. I'll let him tell you about those talents, but he is, uh, again, he's been with us from the beginning, one of the really good guys. Aaron White, former Marine, the only, uh, the only other Marine in the crew. Sorry, guys, I had to throw that out there. And uh, of course, Brad, the Esquire Adado. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Hey, great to be Thanks here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So, you know, today started off uh, pretty early for a lot of people, especially within Carry the Load. And Charles, if I'm not mistaken, you were out at the original scene of the crime in at White Rock Lake. Is that correct? Yeah, it's great to see everybody out there bright and early for the sunrise. Yeah, we were doing the kickoff for the 10 year anniversary and it was great uh, getting together with a number of different people and just uh, remembering those days uh, 10 years ago, how, thing, how things got started. So 10 years ago, and Aaron, did you, uh, were you able to make it out? I, my Marine Corps days getting up early are over. I, I wasn't able to. <laughs> there was a time that I could get up at 5 a.m. and drive to White Rock Lake, but uh, not anymore. Oh, there was a time you would be there at 5 a.m. already That's right. ready to That's go. That's right. Brad, what about you? Were you able to make it out today? Unfortunately, I was not. Okay, so Charles is the only one without a job. I, I see where we're going. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. <laughs> I know that. I know that. I'm just kidding. So, so Charles, let's. You were there year one. Yeah. Do, when you when you look at where we are versus year one, what are the what are the top two or three things that come to mind? How it was then versus how it is now. Oh, it's a, it's amazing where we've come from. You know, I was sitting there talking with uh, Stephen this morning, and uh, it's funny. I, I just found an email from him dated uh, December 16th of 2010. And he was, uh, it was just an email saying, hey, thanks for getting together. We had a, a lunch that day uh, at Taco Diner and talking about this thing, this concept about carry the load. And uh you know, it's interesting. Uh, he and I were both Eagle Scouts. We were uh, working on a real estate deal together at the time. Um, but being Scouts, he was interested in, in getting some volunteer support uh, for this thing that might happen. And uh, as soon as he started talking about carry the load and the, trying to return the true meaning of Memorial Day and and what the values represented, I, I was saying to him, hey, this thing, this thing may, may be a dream right now, but uh, it, could, it could easily catch wild, like wildfire and go across the US. Um, I said, uh, being involved in scouting, at the, uh, I'm still involved in scouting, but at the time I was involved in uh, Troop 496 in McKinney, I said, we can get people and it would be an honor to, to marry up these, these, these uh, activities 
because it's all about service, sacrifice, duty to God and country, which is what scouting is all about. And, uh, you know, we had 14 scouts that first year. And we've had, I was saying to him to this morning, we've had hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of scouts. Yeah, four, 14 doesn't even unload the vehicles at the uh, checking point now. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we had a campsite uh, that first year at White Rock Lake uh, on top of Boy Scout Hill. We were uh, setting up to, to support a, a first aid station that went that whole, you know, 20 hours and 11 minutes that first, that first year. And uh, God, I have some great memories of, of that, that uh, event and that late night and the energy that those boys had and, and uh, just the things that we, we saw. And it was such a spark. It was such a spark for what, what came, you know, these, these last 10 years. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. You, you said that in that meeting with Stephen, that he said that this could this could really catch on like wildfire, and that to me is a pretty aggressive statement from Stephen. I mean, you know, he's he's not one to make bold no, predictions. That, that was my. That oh, was, that was you. Just from I'll tell you, he had he was telling me about this idea, and I thought it was so outstanding. I could see it happening across America because I see. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, people, people could gravitate to. So, okay. So Aaron, I want to ask you, can you corroborate where there are actually 14 Boy Scouts? <laughs> you know, let's, that long let's ago, fact check them right now. I don't remember counting the, the Boy Scouts, but I, I do remember them helping out. It was a, it was a pretty great day. I wish I was there this morning. I'm sorry. I missed it. I did want to ask who had the Thank oldest you. shirt, who, who had the oldest t-shirt. Oh, good question. <laughs> well, we were all asked to uh, to bring our nostalgic attire. There are a lot of old shirts there, a lot of old hats too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if anybody remembers. I was digging through some of this, and do you remember this shirt that said "Training for Carry the Load"? Yeah, that doesn't. I've have never a seen that. Yeah. No. Hold, hold that up a little higher. It's this shirt. Oh okay. oh, okay. Okay. And then it was training for, and then all the sponsors. Yeah. I've never seen that. That's, that's it's a, a good little one. different than the, uh, you know, the event shirt that year was, was just plain on the back. It didn't say. Yeah. The one that I yeah. have just a plain gray one. And actually I wear it every year. That's that's I, I wear it because hardly anybody has it. So, yeah, I've seen you. I've seen you wear it at the event. Yeah, but so, uh, sorry, Todd. To, no, but go ahead. To just kind of corroborate what uh, Charles was saying earlier about going through the uh, the old emails. I, I was looking for pictures from year one, uh, and going back through and seeing these emails from from Stephen back in in 2011. Uh, at the really at the end of 2011 for me is when I was kind of invited onto the uh, the Dallas board. Um, it was really pretty funny to, to read through a lot of that stuff and, and see how, you know, there were seven or eight people on that email and, and now you can't even see how many people are on the emails. So it's, it's been fun to watch, watch it grow. So if, you know, for all of those out there on the staff, that's why I don't really read my email because there's, there's too many people on them now. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to get to the message. Hey, do exactly. You, 
do you all remember being at uh, the committee meetings when we started talking about the t-shirts and we started saying, hey, maybe maybe if, if somebody, you know, got involved enough, uh, raised enough that, that we could, uh, you know, give them a special color or- Yeah, the, the load carrier shirts. Yeah. yeah. That, that was that whole concept. Yeah, I remember being at that meeting talking about that. So, okay. So Aaron, you were there in, in uh, year one, Charles, you were there in year one, Brad, you kind of filtered in uh, around year two. Yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first points of order for you was, you know, Hey, we've got all these nonprofit partners that we're starting to, uh, uh, to look at. And I, I don't know if you stepped in and said, Hey, we need to do a better job vetting this, or we need to at least vet them. Or if you were kind of voluntold that that's what you were going to do, but that's, that has been one of the big, big marks that you have made on carry the load is your contribution to the organizational aspect of the nonprofit partners. How did you get involved in that part? So uh, I missed the first year, met Stephen actually on a camp out shortly thereafter. Our, our sons were in uh, the Y together, Indian uh, guides. And uh, he was telling me all about the first year. And I said, look, you don't know me because I didn't know him. I said, but uh, both my family, a lot of my family members served. And I said, you know, being part of nonprofits is something I've always done and always volunteer, And I enjoy that aspect. Let me help. So he gave me Rebecca and Rebecca, if you remember, was helping put all this, the event plan together. So my very first event was that first year at Rivershawn Park. I was on the phone calling people, asking them to donate. Hey, we need a fence. Um, can you help donate the fence line or we need equipment from Home Depot? So that was really my first introduction was just dialing for dollars. Uh, and then after that event was when they, they said, hey, we have other stuff that uh, we need somebody to kind of run with. And with, as you said, with my background uh, being an attorney, they thought maybe you should help kind of organize this a little bit better as far as uh, how these nonprofits are brought on and, and how we interact with those nonprofits. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Todd, one of the very first meetings we had a lunch and you were at it, uh, you, me, Stephen, and um, I think that was just it. We were just talking about how do we, we deal with it and just kind of, as you said, I got voluntold to kind of take it over because it was always just uh, Holly and, and Clint kind of doing it. And they really just kind of did it as they needed to do it. As, as, as you and I learned, it was, it was uh, here's all the paperwork, go figure it out from there. <laughs> so now, and, and you hadn't even been in Dallas all that long. No, I was relatively new uh, uh, to Dallas and I wanted to get more involved. And so uh, this was an opportunity for me to, to get my, uh, I, I, I was very active in a lot of nonprofits. I was from New Orleans and moved here because of Katrina. And then when I moved here, I, I, I didn't know anyone and meeting Steven and, and then having a calling towards the military, have a calling for uh, uh, volunteering in general. This was the, an avenue that I just loved. I loved the spirit of it. I loved uh, the loss that we had of, the, of my generation and many others forgetting what Memorial Day was about. And, the, and my kids who are older now, but we're so young, it was such a great way of introducing them to Memorial Day. And I know that every one of us have said this now that our kids have no idea what Memorial Day is like without being part of Carry the Load. So I love that for the last nine years, it's been such a strong part of our, our, our life. 
So Charles and Aaron, I, I want to hear from you. What, what is, what is like your fondest number one memory of year one? I'll just leave it that open. Charles, you go ahead. Uh, well, you know, no, 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 Charles, hold on, Aaron, you go. <laughs> well, it's a, uh, there are, there are several, uh, you know, and what's funny is I think we, uh, they were they were doing giveaways at the beginning of that event for the kids and stuff. They were giving away, I don't know if some toys were donated, but they had those marshmallow uh, shooters. Do you remember that, Charles? Yeah. And I, I think marshmallow. Oh, oh, like a like a bow and arrow. They were little okay. guns that you could put the the giant marshmallows in, and it would shoot the marshmallows. Well, uh, I th it wasn't long ago that I think we found one in our in our closet that's been sitting in our toy closet for the last 10 years but uh don't eat those marshmallows <laughs> you know there were so many great um great memories from from year one and, and then it, it continued to grow but uh and i think everybody so, so wait, wait a minute hold on hold on what i heard you say is your number one memory out of no, no, that no. whole thing was getting a marshmallow gun marshmallow shooter no 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 that's not that that was just uh uh that was a lead-in oh okay I, we, I... we just found it the other day um, but one of the, there, I think everybody remembers year one a little differently, you mm -hmm. know, just because it was so long ago and it's grown so much since then. Um, but I got to spend a lot of time with my brother and, and we walked with them. So one of my uh, most fond memories uh, of that year was watching Steven with a, I don't know, a 25 or 30 pound weight vest mm -hmm. running for the first I, I think what ended up being about 50 miles, okay. uh, just he would pass us, you know, every, every hour or so, every hour or two, he'd, he'd pass us um, running. Well, then we, we finally caught up to him and this is midnight. He had been running since the event started uh, and he drops his weight vest and straps on an 80 pound pack and starts walking with us from there. And I just, I, I remember, uh, you know, knowing that Marines were hard, but uh, uh, then seeing how hard-headed uh, some of the the seals are, and, and watching him watching him do that was amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, you used the words very very well. There's hard, and then there's hard-headed. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so very very well, Charles. What about you, sir? What is what is your fondest memory of year one? Well, first of all, just to finish off Aaron's story, I have a picture of of uh, Stephen from that first year on his last lap that he's walking around with the weight vest with Molly beside him. And it's, it's a classic. Uh, it, 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 it's a terrific picture, but anyways, I, that's I awesome. Say, uh, I have this picture um, and, and it, it brings to mind the, the dead middle of the night. It's probably uh, two thirty three something like that. And uh, there is at, at White Rock Lake a hill, Boy Scout Hill, where, where uh, scout troops used to go camp in the very old days. And it, uh, where this first aid station was atop that hill, looks out right uh, across where the, the bridge is that, that it aligns with Mockingbird. And uh, it's the dead middle of the night there's a light on at our aid station and there's eight or so boys that are just full of life. They're, they're just, you know, having a great time smiling. And I'm on a chair 
in the middle of the trail looking toward that, that, uh, that bridge. And you'd have these, these you know, folks that would come, usually it, it would be one or two at a time, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes apart. And it was a, it was a really meaningful, that, that first sense of uh, awesome, you know, uh, tribute and having, and I, I told this story this morning that uh, you may remember it, there was a West Pointer and a, uh, an Aggie uh, cadet that were carrying a, a, a big, it was like a telephone pole tree trunk that just the two of them coming across later on, it was their families that were involved. And I'm telling you, it was the most inspirational thing I've ever seen in my life that, uh, and these boys were in awe. And uh, there, were, there have been so many moments like that through the years. I remember the first time I saw, for example, the, the guys with the 22 kill with their face masks on and these huge, uh, you know, guys carrying each other and then coming into base camp and challenging the scouts to do 22 push-ups. And they, <laughs> these, these big burly guys are jazzed when these little kids are, are pushing their, their arms off trying to get to 22 just so that, uh, you know, it, they, they would, they would get these applause from these, these huge guys. It was, you know, those are, are times that these kids will never forget, ever. And, I don't forget them. But. Yeah, and there's just a tremendous amount of intergenerational, um, you know, collaboration, if you will. I mean, even if, it, you know, even if it's not collaboration in a spoken word, I mean, it's, it's, it's neat to hear about things like that. And, um, you know, there was, I talked to Scott Rorman on this uh, program not too long ago, and, and he was talking about, um, you know, a couple of things that involved his son. And it's fun to see the impact that one of those, that one of the youth really has no formal concept around uh, Memorial Day and what it really means, but yet when they just show up and they can feel it and they all of a sudden know how to impact the whole thing like Scott's son did. And now we've got, you know, the, uh, all the storyboards and reflection Ridge and, mm -hmm. you know, the mobile memorials throughout the relay. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's, it's neat to see the impact that the youth have had on this as much as anything. And Charles, if I'm not mistaken, your son uh, has been very involved himself since the very beginning. Is that correct? Yeah, I've had, I have two boys that have been there from the beginning and uh, you know, it has impacted them dramatically as it has with, with so many of these scouts. As a matter of fact, you know, um, I had introduced uh, one of them, Brendan Corcoran, who, who actually did the, uh, sure. the calling of the uh, posting of the colors. Oh, yes. No, Brennan's done a great job. And uh, yeah, he's he's a midshipman at the Naval Academy now. We've That's right. He is in his junior year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, absolutely. We've got another who did the calling before he did, who's now a, a naval officer on an aircraft carrier somewhere around the world. We have another one that's uh, 
you know, a United States Marine. I mean, this, it, 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 it has had a, an amazing ripple effect. That's awesome. Yeah. So Brad, you showed up year two and as a result, uh, Aaron said, Hey, we're going to need a chow hall. Um, and so he started, uh, he started putting the chow hall together, but, um, and, and I do actually want to come back to that Aaron in a minute. And I want to talk because you, that was a big, big task for you. Um, but Brad, when you showed up in year two, Charles was talking about, you know, seeing the, the, the telephone pole being carried between, you know, two men. Well, you know, actually, you know, two young men, as I, as I heard, um, what was the craziest thing you saw out on the trail that year? Do you remember? I remember it wasn't crazy. Um, I was, uh, the, maybe about 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. I was walking back by myself. Um, and I was getting close to the ice house. And as I was getting that way, there was this 10 or 15 police officers all dressed in uniform walking with this giant man named Clint Bruce. I don't know if you ever met him, but he's a big guy. And, um, and so here he is surrounded by police officers heading out on a walk and they're sitting there visiting. And for those who don't know, I'm about- Did he have cuffs? Did he, he have not, cuffs he was on? Not cuffed. He was not cuffed. Okay. But I, I was sitting there thinking, I'm walking back in and I'm about, you know, a little bit tall for a hobbit and I'm walking in by myself <laughs> and this giant former Navy SEAL is surrounded by police officers. And I kept thinking, this does not seem right. Those guys should have been walking with me because I probably need the protection, not this guy. But it was really cool. It was like, that was that year. I know Aaron, you and I have talked about this before about when you would start seeing people going out when you're coming back in, which was something that y'all have noted about White Rock was so big, you never really saw had that piece. But as I'm coming back in, seeing those cops uh, supporting Clint and Clint supporting them, it was really cool. And that was like that first opportunity I really could see that moment. And I was like, I had an aha, like this is such a great opportunity. And from then on, it was always great to, uh, I mean, I just always remember that moment of, of seeing that, you know, the, the military and the police coming together that one spot and, and it being for everyone. So I always loved that spot. I learned a lot that first year of everything I did wrong. Um, I'm, I'm so not being a Marine or being a, a Boy Scout. Uh, I did a lot of things wrong and I had to retrain uh, for the next years. But uh, I loved, and uh, that was the other thing I learned. I love that. Well, no, don't, don't just gloss over that because I know that there's a story there. You destroyed your feet, as I, I recall. I did. <laughs> I destroyed every aspect of my body uh, that first year because I, uh, I had the wrong shoes, the wrong socks, the wrong equipment. Uh, you name wrong, I did it. And uh, which is great, which is the funny thing is it got me into running uh, half marathons and training differently so that the next year when I did it, I actually did a much better job. But it, it and then the, I will say something, you know, not being a Boy Scout or a Marine, just being a regular civilian, what I loved about Carry the Load was an opportunity for us to really have an impact of showing how much we cared um, about our military and our first responders. And that's that was something I think that I never knew how to interact with individuals who served. And that was just purely, hey, just stand next to them and walk with them um, and then start a conversation because they're out there humping, thinking about someone they lost. And if they want to talk, they will. And that's what I love about that trail, but especially the later nights where you can be out there with them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just, just to kind of chime in on, on, you know, I remember the very first year I was out there, um, which was year three, I believe. Uh, 
I'm looking around going, that guy's carrying a keg of beer on his back. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to stick next to that guy. And then it started getting really hot. And I said, looking at another guy coming the other direction, he's got an air conditioning unit. Well, let's go stand next to that guy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't work. So it was all a big ruse, but so anyway, during that time, Aaron is putting together the, the chow hall and, you know, which has become a big deal, really. I mean, it's become a, well, you, you laid the groundwork for it. That's why all the scouts are coming now. I mean, they, they love the chow hall. <laughs> that's, that's right. It exponentially grew after, after Aaron started the chow hall. So, you know, how, how did that whole thing come about? So in meetings leading up to year two, uh, I'll, I'll never forget that meeting, sitting sitting in an office down there with with Stephen and Rebecca and, and all of them. And they said, well, Aaron's a restaurant guy. So uh, naturally, uh, let's put him in charge of, of the mess hall. So I said, all right, what? Uh, how many people am I feeding? I don't know. Somewhere between one and 5,000. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> how many times do I have to feed them? Uh, uh, three times, Three times throughout the event. So uh, basically a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or dinner, late night snack, and, and breakfast. And then the next question was, all right, what's my budget? Uh, and they said, zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's my, uh, you know, my, my walking orders are uh, feeding between one and 5,000 people with no money three times uh, in a 20-hour period. So that was a- this in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that, that, it was a, uh, well, that's- that's really when I started praying was, uh, okay, I, I know I can make this happen. I just don't know how. So uh, for those I mean, of what you could go know, wrong. Right, right. For those of you that do know Clint Bruce, and you've heard him speak before, you know that, uh, that it's tough to keep people's eyes dry when, when Clint is in the room talking, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I brought him to one of my food vendors and, uh, and we sat down and sure enough, we left with a, uh, a 53 foot truck load of donated food. So uh, that made it a little easier, but you know, that through, this, through this mess hall process and the growing of, of that process, it got a little smoother and, and we got some great help in there. And uh, you know, Amy St. Peter came in and, and really helped uh, run things, but uh, there are there, always- And she brought always- donuts. Yes, there, there are always fun stories around the, the, the mess hall. And, and one of them was, there was, I, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I can't remember what year it was. I would get bread donated from a local baker and they would bring hoagie rolls, thousands of hoagie rolls. Well, one year there was a badminton tournament at the Rivershawn um, uh, little convention center with thousands of people. And uh, so the, the bread vendor brought and dropped the, the bread off at the building and not into the event. So uh, come to find out, I, I'm looking for the bread and they said, no, we dropped it off. Well, I go into that, that building. They were giving it away as door prizes for the badminton tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've never heard this. Yeah, yes, so, I, I, so here I am with no bread uh, to make sandwiches for uh, it, you know, this was year four or five. So there were, you know, 10,000 people there and uh, that I was going to have to feed at some point. So I remember walking into that building and I walked right into the badminton tournament and grabbed the announcer's microphone and said, uh, if, if you have my bread, I want it back right now. 
and uh, I've got baskets down there, so bring all the bread back. Well, a lot of them didn't speak English, and so I ended up, I spent the next two hours walking through the bleachers, taking bags of bread out of people's hands. And uh, we got a bulk of it back, but it, it was a, it was a struggle, and that's my most uh, memorable mess hall moment. Other I, aside from the fact that all of the meat, the sandwich meat that same year, came frozen. So it's time to start feeding people, and it's just all the sandwich meat is rock solid. So we had to put it on smokers and all kinds of stuff to to get it uh, thawed out, so we could make sandwiches. That that year was rough in the mess hall. Golly, that just, that, that's just, it, it's so typical, not, you know, not that that happens to us on at every turn, but putting on events like this, when, when it's an all volunteer force, for the most part, you know, obviously, you know, Lear and, and, uh, and Michael and their group, mm -hmm. um, you know, are, uh, are on the, the payroll, but other than that, it's an all-volunteer operation. And so when you look at some of the things we've done and overcome like that, and then I did start remembering back to that, I think that was like the fourth or fifth year. Um, it's amazing more things like that didn't happen. So, but I, I got to tell you, I mean, Aaron, what you did in that mess hall and how it's progressed to right now, where, where we've got the... Um, uh, you know, it's being operated by nonprofit partners and which really leads to a, a, is a good segue. All of you have had uh, participation in the, uh, in the nonprofit partner committee, Brad, obviously, you know, you've, you've been very instrumental in getting it off the ground. Although I think you've skated the last few years, but that's okay. We're, <laughs> we're not going to, uh, you know, we're not going to dwell on that, but you know, Charles, what you see now, happening in the nonprofit partner committees, you know, d describe what, if somebody comes in and they're sitting there for the first time, what are they going to see or what are they going to hear throughout this process? All these different, you know, uh, uh, people that are applying to be a nonprofit partner. Yeah. And, and, and first of all, uh, just real quick, back to your point about the volunteers. That's one thing about carry the load we have such amazing volunteers, people that are just showing commitment, dedication. You know, uh, you ask about, and I know you feel the same way, Brad, about the committee that, that gets involved and does the research and, and goes out in interviews and meets all of these people and, and vets all of these different organizations. Uh, you know, it's, it just is, is so heartwarming uh, every year, uh, everybody is so involved and, and their hearts are, are really into it. But uh, yeah, to your question, uh, you know, we do talk with a lot of different organizations and uh, it, it, it is something that um, is, again, uh, it, it's, it's, it hits me here uh, because the impact that, that uh, Carry the Load has uh, through our not-for-profit partners just goes on and on and on. You know, we talk about uh, the, the uh, 
the, the programs for carry the load. So we do have the awareness, you know, it's all about returning the true meaning of, of, of Memorial Day still. We, we do have uh, uh, our education, which, you know, we can go there and talk about that in a little bit, maybe with carry the flag, but our continuum of care through our not-for-profit partners is so uh, broad and so impactful and uh, I mean, we could talk about and get into all of these different organizations and talk the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but uh, you know, you come in on this, a committee like this and sit down and you start going through this. And uh, uh, first of all, you're amazed at how broad, uh, how, how many different organizations do this sort of thing. And uh, each one has a different facet, you know. Uh, it might be about, you know, uh, you know, working with on the mental side uh, with with uh, our our soldiers, sailors, first responders that are having such uh, difficult times under the stress and pressure that they've had. Uh, you know, it might be uh, those that that you know, we had uh, Boots to Heels as, a, as an organization, you know, that uh, helps uh, female veterans, uh, you know, go from being the, in the military to becoming civilians again. You've got, uh, uh, you know, Patriot Paws, you know, that, that provide service dogs, and they train these dogs for two years to, to help uh, so many different people that, that get these dogs, you know, it, it's so broad and, uh, yeah, we've, we've raised almost $30 million, $29 million over the course of 10 years. And the impact that, that care of the load has had is just, it's just amazing. It just ripples on and on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard to place a value, you know, beyond the dollars, Mm -hmm. of the impact that, you know, that uh, the efforts of, of the team have made, you know, and, there, and there's two things that stick out to me personally. One, you know, you kind of touched on, and that's the, uh, the breadth of, um, you know, the different organizations. I mean, you know, uh, uh, homeless veterans, um, you know, female uh, specific veterans, they, they, they face a, a challenge that's very different um, than the male uh, counterparts. Uh, especially, you know, transitioning out. Um, you know, the other thing, though, and, and I and I give Brad a lot of uh, credit. You know, obviously the entire, um, you know, committee. But one year, I remember we called some consultants in, and we said, "Tell us how we're doing. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong?" And they came in and they looked at everything, and and they. Um, oh, that's what we want. We wanted them to vet our our choices further to make sure that our process made sense and so forth and they came in they said you don't need us you're you're doing everything we would be doing for you and you appear to be doing it just as well if not better and and again this is an all-volunteer team so brad you know i i i do want to give you that credit and tip my hat i mean you know what you started we really you know have, have carried forward and there's been a lot of great stuff that's come out of it yeah, and I'll, I'm going to add to the, the couple of different things that being, you know, 
Number one is it's such a passion of uh, when you get involved with these nonprofits and learning about, you know, again, being a civilian, I was dumb enough to think that the government was doing a good job of taking care <laughs> of our first responders and our, our military when they got out and transitioned to another thing. And I learned so much from these organizations about what was not happening. And so you start going through just, I mean, I know, I think my last year I was, I was in charge, I think we had 77 different nonprofits that we were reviewing who had submitted information to us. And that's ex excluding the ones that missed the cutoff that we would still do calls with and learn more about mm -hmm. them. So I, I learned so much about these different organizations and there's so many phenomenal organizations who have incredible heart and are on that front line, you know, helping our, our, our first responders and veterans and being able to see their passion. And, and it made me wanna work so much harder to bring the right people in. And more importantly, maybe you want to raise funds and walk that much further or do that much more for the, the mm. organization as a whole. Because, and I remember like how hard we would work and how as a team, as a committee, we would be so burned out by the time we would vet everybody, finish all the calls. I mean, we're talking, I mean, we would talk two or three months worth of our time that we were mm -hmm. spending vetting some organization, getting them on board, walking them and then introducing them, having that summit. I mean, it was, it was a lot. But I still remember the, 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 the day in which we got to meet with them and, and, and learn with how they thought carry the load went. And more importantly, the day we gave them the, the, their, their check. And that reinvigorated me year after year after year because it was such a passion moment of, of saying, hey, this is worth all that time and energy that we put into it. And I loved it. And but for the fact that, you know, doing it for seven years straight and being the, uh, the, the point right. guy, I knew that I was so close to all these other nonprofits that I was probably too biased at that point, that it's, it's good to have new fresh blood uh, come in there. And, and I, I know that uh, Charles is doing it now and we have some good people, but I was so glad to be there in the beginning and obviously uh, not going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I love what these organizations do. And I, and I jokingly say, carry the load, we have one mission really. And it's, and it's a simple mission, right? It's to bring awareness. And I, and I know Debbie and Todd would probably beat me over the head, but in reality, you know, we, we do a lot, but these organizations are 365, seven days a week, taking care of our veterans and first responders. They have it hard. And for us to have such a pure mission, being able to bring awareness for obviously carry the load, but for them on top of it is huge. Um, 22 Kills is a perfect example of an organization that we got to partner with and you know, look how great they've become in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and just to give, give credit as well, um, uh, Amber Wheelock has done a terrific job the last couple of years. I mean, she has taken the process and uh, talk about the passion, um, has, has really done a terrific job uh, the last couple of years. I mean, taking the baton from you, uh, Brad. I tricked her. <laughs> I said, hey, Amber, you and I see each other all the time out there, and I know how you have a passion for this. Why don't we have lunch? And little did she know, I was planning two years ahead of time of, of having her take over. Uh, I can't believe business. you're admitting all of this live. <laughs> I'm scared of her. I'm supposed to say that on camera. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, Amber was, it was great because again, having, she came in and just, rushed it and um, i'm so pleased that uh to, to have found to got to know her but more importantly for her to take over the nonprofits and uh, partners and really take it to the next level and obviously charles you know you and i were always on the committee together too at a certain time but uh, i 
completely agree. Amber did an amazing job uh, taking over it when she was running it. Right. Well, we're we're gonna get to the end of this. Unfortunately, I could. I mean, I could talk with you know with this group. You know, we we kind of referred to ourselves at one point as kind of the old guard. A lot of the original uh, OG old guard, original gangsters, yeah, something like that. Um, and you know, there's so many that you know that I'm hoping to talk to as we go. And um, but before we're, uh, Chris is going to try and throw up a video here in just a minute. But before we do that. I want to hear from you guys since we're, this were we're on the the heels of the or excuse me on the doorstep of the 10th anniversary of the carry the load memorial march. I want to hear whether it's your first year, last year, whatever. When someone asks you about carry the load, how do you describe memorial march the event to them? Not everybody at once. Don't don't over, <laughs> yeah, right. don't overrun me here. Well, I can tell you how um, I had I had younger kids, and I know Todd, you've heard me talk about this before, but I always talk about understanding the loss uh, and, and carry the load. The actual memorial march, obviously, there's a lot that goes into it. So, unfortunately, it seems like the best way to to experience it is to participate. Um, but I always, when my kids were younger explaining death to a child is nearly impossible. And so you're trying to tell them, hey, we're out there honoring those who lost something that's so special to them. So I said, tell me what's the most special thing that if you lost, you would be so upset. And they're like, you know, young enough to like stuffies. If I lost my stuffy animal, I'll be really upset. I said, right. That's, you know, they, their biggest loss to them was a stuffed animal. So I made them put it in a backpack and carry that with them to understand what loss meant to them because I had to you know, put it in a child's mind and said, that's what these people feel, but they lost their loved ones and they're carrying them with them because it's, and it's important for us to honor them and carry, you know, to move forward by carrying, by carrying that with them. And so that's where it started. And, you know, going back to the very first year, I had them draw up something. So my wife was kind enough to find someone, but like my daughter carried for, for the police and canine and we had it laminated on her backpack with their little stuffy animal and my my son hopefully you guys don't be offended he cared for the u.s army you know each year they would come up with who they were caring for but it all started with just understanding that burden of loss and then um i think you know todd you and i've talked about this and then the celebration of life that came with it mm -hmm. and that it's a way in which we again the civilians who did not participate can participate and honor those who did serve and, and then gave us the ultimate sacrifice. Awesome. You know, Aaron, for, what about you? For me, I, I'm, I'm going to bounce around here a, a little bit, but uh, I've had to change the way that I have described the event to people. It, it's one, it's something that I'm so passionate about and it's, it's really easy to ramble on about, but years ago, my, my kids, uh, like Brad said, all my kids know of, of Memorial day is carry the load. So they, they, they haven't really had any Memorial Days uh, without carry the load in their lives. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so my son, when he was eight, was interviewed by uh, WFAA. And uh, he was eight years old and had walked 23 miles at that time. Um, and, and so when they turned to me, I said, you know, this is a, uh, it's a day to, to restore the true meaning of Memorial Day. It, over the years, Memorial Day has morphed into 
uh, mattress sales and, and swimming pool parties and, and hot dogs. Well, I didn't realize that was going to offend so many people. So the comments on that WFAA video where somebody needs to call CPS for making his kid walk 23 miles. And, uh, <laughs> and then and, go to school. And, and then go to school. And, and what's wrong with eating hot dogs and, uh, and, you know, having swimming pool parties on Memorial Day. So I, I've had to re reformat my, my explanation. And, and, you know, when I used to say all of the hot dogs and, and stuff like that, that's fine. Do that. But uh, really, Todd, you uh, helped me with a, with a speech at one point that really called, uh, called to order that it, it's us uh, from the, the Saving Private Ryan part that I think about all the time, which at the end of the movie, when he says, earn this, earn it. For me, I, I, help, I explain it to people by saying, this is us earning it. You know, this is us carrying that load uh, for those veterans who can't carry it for us anymore. And it's it's an incredibly moving event and uh, and it's just an honor to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Charles, what about you? You know, uh, it's, it's interesting. If, if you would have asked me that uh, in year two, I probably would describe it very different than, than it is today. I mean, uh, it, it, to me, now you have to say, First of all, it's a culmination of uh, a walk across America. You know, we've got we've got four relays now that converge on Dallas as a, a that that starts and ignites the weekend of Memorial Day weekend, and uh, you have an opportunity to come here and and recognize the sacrifice that's been made for. for on on our part for, from so many people i mean and and it it's not uh yes we 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 absolutely have uh soldiers sailors first responders that are on the line today but uh you know there are those that uh you know last year last decade you know back in the, all the various wars and uh and dates that uh have sacrificed for for us to get where we are today and it's a an opportunity to 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 now honor and think back about uh uh how we got here and who sacrificed for us and uh it's meaningful for those scouts you know we we start out the weekend by putting out our field of flags oh yeah the major so powerful and and it takes it takes hours and hours and hours and a lot of uh blisters on your thumbs and what we say is every flag you put in that ground represents the life of somebody who gave their all so that we can be here so we can enjoy our freedoms and, uh, you know, that's the, that's the right way to start that Memorial Day weekend. So true. So true. Man, powerful words, gentlemen. Um, Carissa, are we going to be able to play that video? We sure can, but you guys can talk through it. I think it's just photos. Okay, great. <clears throat> so we can just kind of, so your mics are hot, gentlemen as the as the the pictures go through well i was a little excited to, to hear what everybody's 
favorite moment from the 10 year culmination has been. And, uh, and I, if, if it's okay, I'll kick that off. Yeah. So it's a, you know, we talked about our favorite, favorite time from year one, but, uh, but really as this thing has grown, there's been so many incredible, incredible moments. And, uh, and Todd, you, you've heard this story. And so sorry, you have to hear it again, but uh, I was given the, the, the great honor to uh, head up the, the Vietnam commemoration, the, the, the 50th anniversary of Vietnam War and honoring all of the, the living Vietnam era veterans. So anyone right. that served in the military from 1955 to 1975. Well, at one of those events, I, I would give a speech and we would pin these, uh, these veterans. And so it still gives me goosebumps to this day, but I, I, in my speech, I mentioned some of the different uh, battles uh, through Vietnam. And at the end of one of these pinning ceremonies, um, I, I had a, a gentleman come up to me and, and I believe Stephen Holly at the time um, and started talking about one of those battles that I mentioned in my speech. And hearing him giving us details and speaking of it so vividly, it was like we were there, you know, just hearing him talk about it and tear up. Well, we gave him a hug and, and, and this was 15, 20 minutes that he talked to us. We gave him a hug and he, he walked away. And uh, about two minutes later, his wife came up and said, I've been married to him for 35 years. And that's the very first time I've ever heard him talk about the Vietnam War. And so it was, it was wow. one of those things that was, you know, it gives me goosebumps to this day, but uh, to see an event like Carry the Load open someone's heart and, and realize that, uh, you know, this, this poor man has been living his life thinking either that nobody wanted to hear it or, or that, um, that there was maybe no, no one worthy of, of hearing his stories. And then he realized after this event that uh, there are so many people there that, that do love him and, and care about him and care about what he did and what he brought to this, this nation that he felt comfortable enough to walk up to a couple of strangers and, and, and tell us those stories. And uh, again, that was, that was one of my, my favorite moments uh, aside from the fact that my wife and I were married on Memorial Day. So my wife and I celebrate our anniversary at Carry the Load every year. God, and, and you know what? We, we've got another good friend of the program whose twins were born. Josh Lewis, his twins were born on, oh, yeah. on Memorial Day. That just means he had to miss one of the events. No, no. I think he <laughs> actually, he, he, he went straight from the, straight but from the trail to the, you know, to the hospital. My, my sweet wife, just uh, just deals with and I'm sure she wants to go on trips on her anniversary and things like that but she knows as my kids do that Memorial Day is is carry the load yes. and, it, and it's us doing our part you know as y'all were talking about that I have to kind of chime in you know a, a very good friend of carry the load um, who is the undersecretary for memorial affairs for the uh, uh, for the VA uh, Randy Reeves I remember, and I, and I know this wasn't his, but he was the first one I, I heard talking about it. And, and he talked about the importance of organizations and movements like Carry the Load because, you know, and I, and I guess it's, a, it's an old uh, Jewish proverb where we all die two deaths. You know, the first one was when, you know, is when the final breath leaves our body. The second one being when 
when yeah. no one talks about us anymore, when no one remembers us anymore, when our name is no longer mentioned anymore. And, and to me, that, that is one of, has always been one of the more powerful things I've learned through Carry the Load and why I think this organization and this event is so important and powerful because we don't let those people die a second death. And, you know, whether it be through the stories you hear on the trail or, or through the, the storyboards uh, on Reflection Ridge, um, you know, all I try to tell people is you have to come out. There's nothing that I can tell you that's going to help you understand what it is until you experience it. And, you know, for everyone out there watching who maybe has thought about coming to, uh, to the event, but they just haven't quite made it yet. I would tell you, come out there for two hours and just walk up and down Katy Trail once. And you will never, ever miss it again. Yeah. And if you do, you will certainly remember wherever you are that next year. Yeah. So, hey, gents, we're, you know, again, we could go on and on forever. And and, and I'd love to, we're, we're probably overdue for a, for an old guard gathering. Uh, but I just want to say to the three of you, thank you for uh, the paths that you laid, the bricks that you put down for many of us to follow in this organization. Uh, Y'all have meant more to the organization. The, the butterfly effect, the ripple effect, we'll never know. And I just want to say thank you very much to each of you for all you've done for us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Todd. So yeah, thank you. for everybody else, uh, hopefully you're watching across America on this one. We, uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, before too long, we're going to be doing this again. So as always, the one final thing that we want you to take away, always, always, always remember to have a very good answer to this question. Who are you carrying?